This is episode number 28 with best-selling author and inspirational speaker, Jim Owen. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. The gentleman that I bring to you today may be the most impressive person that you've ever heard on this show. Jim is a 78-year-old man who has had several different career stages in his life. Jim spent his first 35 years of his career in the finance and investment world on Wall Street, but then found his true purpose in life. Jim started his own foundation called the Center for Cowboy Ethics and Leadership in 2006 after writing his book called Cowboy Ethics, The Code of the West. Jim spent the entire decade of his 60s, yes, his 60s, traveling around the country giving over 300 speeches on the Cowboy Code of Ethics and how we need to get back to the basics as it pertains to living a good, successful life. Then when Jim turned 70 years old, he took a look at himself in the mirror and he could not believe the man he was looking at. He was overweight, he had a frozen shoulder, he had droopy shoulders, and he knew he needed to get in shape. So currently standing at 78 years young, Jim says he's in the best shape of his life and that his best days are still ahead of him. I spoke with Jim via Skype, so the audio quality is not quite as good as it usually is, but the message certainly is. So I ask you to stick with me during this episode because Jim gives so much great advice about how we define our own code of ethics and how we go about starting to change habits in our lives and so much more. If this is your first time here, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review it. Send this episode to someone you love to someone who wants to make a change in their life, to someone who needs inspiration to start exercising and live a healthier life. But for now, it's time. It's time to work on being our best self today with the inspiring 78-year-old gentleman, Jim Owen. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I'm really excited about today's unique episode. I have um, a man named Jim Owen here with me today, and if you've never heard of Jim Owen before, you need to go look up all the stuff that he's put in, put out into the world and out into the universe up to this point in his life as he stands tall at 78 years young, um, and he's done just amazing things. And to give everybody a little context, Jim, uh, you started off in the finance world and the investment world for about 35 years, and then kind of in the tail end of that career, you kind of had a realization of what your true purpose might be into inspiring others to become the heroes of their own lives, as you like to put it. And I basically kind of want to get into where that identifying the true purpose came from. Because I know I've done a little research and seen that you know you would wake up in the morning and read the papers and read about scandal after scandal in the corporate world. And you used to be kind of proud of the corporate world. And when you saw things like that, you realized kind of like what is wrong with with kind of the world and why are these scandals happening? So I was I was wondering, was there a particular scandal or a particular moment where you realized that you needed to take action and try to make a change in what was going on in the world? Well, Nick, I spent, just by way of background, I spent 35 years in the investment world. And I was always proud of the industry I was in. And uh, that is until the early uh, 2000, you know, turn of the century. If you remember, Nick, back in 2001 and two and three, not a single day went by that there wasn't some scandal. Uh, Enron, it's a long, long list. And, and companies, you thought, man, these, these companies stand for integrity and this, and they say, we put our clients' interests first. Oh, yeah? Well, we found out differently. And um, I asked myself the question, what can one person do? Now, I'm not on a high horse. I'm not goody-goody two-shoes. I don't put myself in some elevated, you know, position. Nope. But I said, what can I do? Well, I've always liked 
the communication side of things all my whole life. And I've always enjoyed writing. And I've written a wonderful book called The Prudent Investor that did real well back in, I don't know, it must have been 30 years ago. So I wrote this book, you ready for this, in a cowboy ethics. What Wall Street can learn from the code of the West. And I thought the book might sell a thousand copies. And it's a coffee table book. And amazing photographs by a guy named David Stecklin, who was one of the original Marlboro guys. So if you don't like the writing, I promise you'll love the photography. Cowboys, cowgirls, horses, sunsets, that kind of stuff. The book has sold 150,000 copies and still going strong. And so it's amazing. And what I realized was people are looking for something. And forget politics. I don't get involved with politics, Nick, or religion. I don't misunderstand me. I grew up with the Bible. But I don't wear that on my sleeve, and I don't try to force what I believe on anybody else. So this is more, this is more than just religion. It's how do you choose to live your life? And it, it all starts with that question, Nick, how do you choose to live your life? And so cowboy ethics, the premise was that we need to live by a code. And the cowboys live by their code, code of the West. And it's just interesting how this thing took off. Live each day with the code, Nick, was never written down. And when I found this out, I said, hmm, I'm going to figure this out. People say, Jim, did you talk to a lot of cowboys and ranchers? No. I read a hundred West, I love you, read a hundred Western books, and I saw probably 25 of the classic Western movies, Red River and Lonesome Dove. I've seen them all. And my wife would say dozens of times. That's probably true. And I just came 10 principles to live by. Live each day with courage. Take pride in your work. And that kind of stuff. Know where to draw the line. Some things aren't for sale. And this thing caught on. And in 2010, the state of Wyoming, now Nick, this is the cowboy state, right? <laughs> Adopted this code as the official code of the state of Wyoming, which is pretty cool. So as far as we know, the governor, some guy named Frudenthaler, I've never met the guy in my life. Uh, signed a bill. I was there in Cheyenne. And uh, as far as we know, it's the only state that has a code. And I thought, how cool is that? And so it's just, it's what I'm, I'm in the inspiration business, Nick. This is not a, this is that, that's what I call it. Jim, what do you do? I'm in the inspiration business. I'm trying to inspire people, if you will, Nick, to reach for the best in themselves. And I thought you stated this very, very well when when you talk when you talk about becoming the best version of yourself. That's the same same way, just different ways of saying the same thing. And so then I, I started a foundation called Center for Cowboy Ethics and Leadership, and uh, it's been amazing. We, we do a lot of work with youth groups, boys and girls clubs, and 4-H and FFA. Say, Jim. Why would you think that inner city kids would relate to cowboys? I don't know. The answer is I really don't know, Nick, except they do, (laughs) surprisingly enough. And so I think we're all looking for something that we're not getting. 
I'm interested because now a few times you've talked about how we're we're looking for something and that we're not quite getting. Um, and I've I've heard you say that in the TED talk that I watched. And now you've said it twice this morning. So I'm kind of interested in the stance that like I feel like a lot of young people right now are looking for their purpose. They're looking for their passion. Why is yes. it that mm-hmm. we're so focused on those things, and why are we not getting it? Well, I think it's pretty clear, Nick. Again, I, let me just be saying, I'm not a PhD or a philosopher. That's I'm just an ordinary guy. Okay, so there's nothing special about me except I'm a creative guy, and I and I I'm just doing what I, what I enjoy. And this is all right brain stuff. This is not at all intellectual or highfalutin or you know it's, it's not that. It's, it's all about the heart, opening up your heart. And so I think what people, and when I grew up, again, I'm 78 and a half years old. Okay. When I grew up, my whole generation learned about life from around the dinner table. Mom and dad, one or two children. That's where we learned our values. Well, today, both parents are working. Uh, mom comes home, she's tired, she's too tired to talk about this kind of stuff. The father's stressed out. Nick, in too many cases, particularly in the disadvantaged homes, this is just awful. But the, the dad may, if he, if he is a dad, I mean, he's a, he's a father, but is he, you know, is he the husband? Well, we don't know that always. Maybe in jail. And mom didn't come home last night. So the kids don't get breakfast. I mean, it's, it's really sad you get, when you see what the Boys and Girls Clubs and that stuff are, are doing and, and the impact they're making with kids. And that's this is part of the problem. The other problem is we've taken civics out of the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, we no longer feel comfortable putting our hands over our heart to salute the flag. I mean, I'm, I'm astonished. We've taken Christmas out of the schools. Well, uh, we might offend somebody, you know, who doesn't. Uh, celebrate Christmas. It goes on and on and on. So I think what we're doing is sort of returning to, to, to basics, just back to common sense. This is not sophistication. It's just the opposite. And kids are looking for something they can hang on to, that they can sort of say, okay, I believe this. I want to believe this. So you feel like it's coming down to how the difference is and how kids are being kind of raised nowadays? You think it's kind of a different environment, which is why we're seeking more yep. purpose and more things like that? Yep. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so, you know, in the, in, in the, I wrote the, the, the kind of, to, to put this in perspective, Nick, uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote, a, I wrote the 10th anniversary edition of Cowboy Ethics. It's actually, I think, a better book. Uh, new photographs, now the code of the West, that didn't change. What changed was the big, the beginning and the, and the closing. And Nick, the, the, the title will tell you all you have to know. I dropped all revenues to Wall Street. And it's called Cowboy Ethics, What It Takes to Win at Life. And when you, when you read about some of these scandals, what it, is, it makes you wonder, is that person winning at life? Yeah, it's true. He may have made a couple of dollars on some deal. But are you winning at life? And I think the older you get, the more you want to be able to look in the mirror and say to yourself, yes, I'm winning at life. It has nothing to do with making money. It has to do with being a good father, a good mother, a good parent, a good friend. 
okay? Giving back, uh, being generous with your heart toward people who are less fortunate. So all these good things, to me, uh, is part of, quote, winning at life. There's another part of winning at life, and that's, this is <laughs> my own transformation. Nick, when I turned 70, I was on the road for over 10 years, and I literally, it's hard to believe, I gave over, I stopped counting, I gave over 300 speeches around the country and wore myself to a, wore myself to a frazzle. And that was into your 60s that you did that? Yep. Jeez. So it's, it's, the wear and tear is not giving the talk. The wear and the tear is getting from wherever you're living, you know, across country. So to get to Boston or to get to Portland, Oregon, oh my gosh, it's just, you know, having getting dinner if you're lucky at ten o'clock at night, getting up at four thirty to catch a plane. And the truth is, I woke up and looked when on my birthday. Actually, I looked in the mirror and said to myself, "My God, I'm an old man. My shoulders were all slumped. Uh, my my back. I had a I had Nick. I had chronic back pain." Anybody's had chronic back pain, lower back pain, knows what that's like. It's like everything you do is, oh my gosh. You can't can't even stand up straight. My Both knees were shot. I was about 20 or 25 pounds overweight. If that that weren't enough, my right rotator cuff was frozen. (laughs) And Nick, I came came across one statistic that changed my life. I, I think it's the Mayo Clinic that said this. It said, if you make it to 70 out of a very large population, now we're not talking about 10 people from Norway or something. No. <laughs> this is like a, out of a 100,000 population. Statistically, you'll live, on average, another 15 years. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, if I feel this bad and look this bad at 70, can you imagine if I lived to 85? What's it going to look like? Yeah. You know, bring out the cane and the walker, because I'm a, or a wheelchair, maybe. And so I said, that was all the motivation I needed to say, I got to do something and take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I put, you know, I, I put, I called, I, t- the term I use, Nick, is aging well. I, I don't say becoming fit. I say aging well. I like and this kind of, it starts, I think, with, you know, being more fit. And that's not bodybuilding or lifting heavy at all. It just means getting off the couch and doing something. So I wrote this book that came out a couple of years ago by National Geographic. It's called Just, J-U-S-T, Move, Explanation, A New Approach to Fitness After 50. Yeah. So this is sort of what I'm into now. And I'm sort of like a man on a mission trying to tell every senior uh, in America, that you've got to get off the couch and do something. And I'm not saying, you know, I've got the answer. Nope. Just, but, but you just cannot sit there. You've got to do something, whether it's walking, stretching, you know, light dumbbells, rolling. There's all kinds of things to do. But we've become a nation of couch potatoes. Right. It's, it's literally killing us. The average American. Over 20, over 20, average American adult, would you believe, sits 8 to 11 hours a day. I believe it. That's pretty unbelievable. I believe it. Between sitting at a computer, 
riding in cars, watching TV, maybe reading a book, 8 to 11 hours a day. So you can imagine how, how, how somebody's body must feel when they're, you know, 60, 65, or 70 or older. But Nick, and I think your, I think your audience will understand this. If you're, if you're in the investment business and you're at all serious, you love research. Just, if you don't, you shouldn't be in that business. So I love research. I love reading stuff and that's just what I enjoy, like a hobby. So I started delving into fitness and, you know, what do you do and this and that. And, uh, Today, eight years later, I'm in the best shape of my life. Okay, I've gone from being unable to do a single push-up to doing. I do sets of fifty. I can do, you know, 150 push-ups. You know, at 50 at a crack. Don't do it every day because it's going to kill your shoulder. But I do it, you know, once a week. And um, I have zero back pain, none. Now, maybe I've got, you know, when I get in the morning. before my hot shower, there's a little, you know, just normal stuff, but no, there's no chronic pain. And I've lost, I've lost a good 20, 25 pounds. So I, I weigh less than I did in high school. That's awesome. And I literally am in the best year of my life. And so I think this, I call this the virtuous circle. And I think when you start getting older, you wake up one day and say, you know, I'm at a crossroads. I've got, I can, I have to make, and everyone can, has to make a choice. Okay. You can choose to get off the couch and do something. Again, I'm not telling you what you have to do, but there are lots, lots of paths to this. That's what, that's what we call this the art of aging well. There's no one, you know, one size fits all. Okay. Um, but you got to do something. And it's amazing that people who get on this path, Feel so much better, look so much younger, their, their confidence grows, and a much, much more positive outlook. That's all I can say. Yeah. And so it's been a, an amazing transformation. And my mission now to my foundation is, is just to tell the story. If I can do this, anybody can. So Nick, I, I'm not athletic particularly. Uh, I mean, I learned in high school, you know, and, and football, but I, I didn't start, and I wasn't, you know, some hero or, or athletic guy. I was just one more guy on the team, frankly. Right. And now it's like I've found my inner athlete, and I really enjoy going to the, going to the gym. Enjoy it. Say, like, huh, I can do this. What else can I do? And I listen to my older friends who are, all they do is talk about, oh, this hurts, that hurts. I've got to go to the doctor or whatever. And I, I, I don't tell my friends this, but the truth is, when you're older, you, you have a choice to make. Okay? I can choose to get off the couch and be active as opposed to sedentary, Nick, or I, I can rely upon medication and I can enjoy going to the doctor because you will go to the doctor and you will be on heavy duty medication if you don't do something. To become active, I walk, uh, you know, regular basis. Do do high intensity cardio. I do strength training three times a week. I do yoga and Pilates. I just do about about an hour a day, six days a week. And more than that, you you don't you don't you know you don't. It's, it's the mission returns. 
Right. So I'm not trying to be Mr. America. It's not about, you know, how much you lift. It's just about being active, Nick. That's all it is. And what I tell people, and that's why I was so interested in what you're doing with, with your podcast, it really is about if you want to become the best version of yourself, yet you, quote, ain't going to get there if all you do is you get older. Sit, sit on the couch or your, or your favorite chair because your favorite chair is not your friend, to put it bluntly. Mm-hmm. So, Jim, I'm interested. When you're at that point of, of 70 years old and you kind of realize that you were super out of shape, um, I think a lot of people are kind of maybe not at that stage in life, maybe a little bit earlier, but they feel like they've gone down the wrong path for too long and they're not really sure how to make the initial step. Um, so I'm interested, like, what is... What was the most important thing for you to do to take step one and to implement like fitness and health into your daily routine and your daily habits? Nick, that's a wonderful, wonderful question. Uh, my personal answer, again, I'm not, a, I'm not a personal trainer or a life coach. My answer is that I don't believe you can rely upon willpower to show up in the gym and so on. I think you have to make this a lifestyle choice. And I was going to have to make it a habit. And what I did, don't ask me where this came from, I have no idea. I, I did a 30-minute challenge, a 30-day 30 challenge. And I said, I'm in awful shape. I feel terrible. I can't do one push-up, but I can walk. And on day one, maybe I could walk two or three blocks. That was it. On day two or three, I could walk maybe six blocks. It's amazing at the end of 30 days, just walking, not not worrying about how far you go or how fast you walk, it, you do get in the habit of becoming active. I think that's the critical part. So at the end of 30 days, there's a gym. What are you doing? You look better. You look younger. I said, well, all I'm doing is walking. And now I look back and kind of laugh and say, gee, I was in awful shape. If all I could do was walk a couple of blocks before I was out of breath, now I do, you know, pretty high intensity cardio. But in the beginning, it, it, what I realized was, if there's a, is there a secret to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Small steps. Mm-hmm. Just take small steps every day. Do more today than you did last week or last month. That's all it is. I like that. I think that's and, important. And once you get into the habit, Nick, it, 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 it doesn't matter what you do in the gym as long as you're doing something. And that's I, I, this is what I'm preaching here. We'll just get off your, off the couch. If it's reasonable weather, just walk on the trail. Don't worry about how far you walk or how long you walk. People say, Jim, I walked seven miles yesterday. I say, yeah, how many miles did you walk last Wednesday? Well... I didn't walk last Wednesday. Right. You know what I mean, it's just that consistency of doing something. You know, again, I worked out today, one hour a day, six days a week. Mm. In the beginning, I didn't. I couldn't do it. But today, it's just it's, it's a habit. And if I don't do something, I feel sluggish. And I can only tell your audience, uh, if there is a secret, it's think small steps over time lead up to big, big improvements. And I'm living proof of this. Yeah. So forget, you know, overnight success stories, forget shortcuts, no such thing. There's no pill to take. 
that's going to make you fit. You have to kind of show up, you know, kind of do the work. But the path you take is up to you. And Nick, the other thing I want to add is that if you do go down the path, I really want to become, quote, more fit, whatever that means to you, okay? Work on your weaknesses, not your strengths. Mm. And I know people, I have friends who are runners. And what do they do when they go to the gym? They give you a treadmill. Nope. What you ought to do is to work on your weaknesses. So in my case, I had, I had the reason I had lower back pain, excruciating lower back pain, I, I had a very poor, very weak core, C-O-R-E. And so the, I thought the core referred to your six-pack, not that I had one. Right. I thought that's what it was. Nope. The core is like a, a girdle. Uh, that, it, that, that covers your body, front and back, starting in your you know upper thighs through your chest. If your back, if your core is weak, you will have lower back pain. So for the first couple of years of you know doing some strength training, Nick, I did probably I spent probably thirty percent of my time working on my core, and now my core is a, is the strongest part of the body. That's why I've no pain anymore. Pain's gone. Mm-hmm. Goodbye, pain. But I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. That, I think it's really important that you communicate that because I think a lot of people, when it comes to health and fitness, overcomplicate some things. They tr- they're trying true. to figure out like the best new diet to do when everybody knows yeah. that it's like eat fruits, eat vegetables, eat. Sure. You know, every most people really know what to do. They just don't do what they know. Um, so it's really important that to just kind of keep it as simple as possible. And I really also liked your your message of working on your weaknesses because I think that's for us as, as humans, it's one of the hardest things to admit to ourselves what we're not what we're not good at. But that's really where we're going to see the biggest improvement. Um, so it's really important and, to and identify Nick, to be weaknesses. Honest about it, I don't know whether you are insightful or instinctive. I don't know. Maybe it's a combination, okay, or, or smart. Maybe all three. But what you say exactly. Fits what I'm trying. What I'm trying to say. I think you did it. You just did it better. You just said in 30 seconds what I was. What took me about five minutes to say. That the more simple it is, the better. Because what? Let's say if you, if you listen to, if you read the books, and I, I read men's health and that kind of stuff. <laughs> Nick, if you personally were publishing a, a, a magazine on, of course you've got to make it different every month. New exercises. New and better, right? But that's to sell magazines. And if you're, if you're, you know, a tr- personal trainer, and, and you and you don't make it complicated, people say, "Well, why would I want to hire you for? I don't need you." So people make this real complicated, and I just say, "Look, make it simple, yeah. okay? Master a few classic exercises." I and and frankly, I call them movements. I don't use it. To, I don't say exercise. I say think of it as movements, moving your body. Yeah, no, I think that's important because like you're all about functional fitness and being able to move around your daily life freely without any pain. And I, you know, I think you said that I said it so simply in terms of breaking it down into something basic. But I think that's what exactly what you did by the title of your book by saying just move. I mean, I think that kind of communicates the point across that we're trying to get in the first place. Um, so I think yeah, that's and what, we're, and what we're talking about, Nick, is 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 the term, and this this may be kind of a turn off for your audience, but it's really about quote functional fitness. 
Mm-hmm. You say, well, what does that mean exactly? Well, if you take on the one extreme, you have bodybuilding, bulking up, right? Looking good in a bathing suit. Nothing wrong with that, of course, when you're young. But when you get older, that's the last thing you, you worry about. You're looking good in a bathing suit. Come on. Okay? Functional fitness means being able to go through the normal activities of daily life without pain. Okay? Nick, this is a kind of a alarming statistic. But one out of every three adults over 65 fall every year. And if you have a parent or grandparent who has fallen, you know how serious that can be. And the bad news is if you fall once, statistically, you're going to fall again within the next 12 months. So would you, an hour a day, how do you find the time? I say, do you know what percent of a day that is now? It's four percent of your day. Now I understand when you're, you know, when you're 45 and you're raising a family, holding down a job, and da da da. It's tough. Well, when you get older, presumably you're not, you know, working quite as much. I hope you're not. Then you sure you can you can find an hour a day, half an hour a day of doing something again, just walking and stretching. And so it's not as much of a time commitment as people think, but. What you raised earlier is a serious problem. A lot of older people are sort of stuck in a rut. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an image of themselves as being, of going downhill. I mean, I had that same feeling, like my best days are over. And, and people who feel that uh, tend, to, tend to withdraw from life. They, it's just the opposite of what you talk about in, in your podcast. They they tend to withdraw from their friends, you know, living by myself, living in a uh, you know retirement home, whatever. And this is why this is why loneliness you know leads to depression pretty easily, and often to you know excess excessive drinking. Right. And so all of this is about just reaching for the for the best in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can do that unless you do something, work on something uh, regarding fitness. I think one of the important things that you brought up there, Jim, was saying that like be part of becoming the best version of yourself, one of like the top things is everybody has to have some sort of health and fitness part of their life that is a priority. You know, I think the one one thing that I like to talk about is that you can't be the best version of yourself and whatever it is you're doing in your job as a mother, as a father, as a brother, sister, whatever role you're playing in your life, you can't be the best version of that self if you're not feeling healthy, if you're not feeling fit. So it's really important for everybody to have some sort of health and fitness priority in their life. And that can look different for every single person. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to add on top of that, what I really like that you said is that it's not a matter of time, right? It's because one hour of 24 is just 4%. But it's a matter of priority. What I like to say when people ask me if I can do something or if I have time for that, I don't like to say I don't have time because everybody's busy. Everybody really, in some sense, doesn't have the time. But what I like to say is I'm not willing to prioritize that right now in over some other things that I have going on in my life. So instead of saying I don't have time for it, 
I am being honest with myself. I'm saying I am not willing to prioritize that particular thing right now. Nick, you're, Nick you're very, very articulate in, in, in the way in the way you talk. I'm almost envious because you you really sort sort of, sort of nail this stuff. And the only thing I I I I, I need to to add is it is a choice, mm. but not making the choice is a choice in itself. Mm. When somebody says, gee, I'm not going to exercise, I'm all, you know, that kind of stuff, then hope you like going to the doctor's office, hope you like being on heavy-duty medication, because that's, 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 what's, that's what you are faced with. And so, we, so people often say, Jim, isn't it kind of selfish what you're doing? And I say, you've got to be kidding. It's just the opposite of being selfish. I'm 78 years old. Been married to the most amazing woman for fifty years. I don't want to be a burden on my wife. I don't want to be a burden on my kids. I don't want my kids having to say, "Oh God, I gotta go take care of my dad. He's not doing very well." I want to be independent and living in my own home as long as I can. Now we all know, Nick, you can work, you can work out every day. <laughs> At some point, I don't know what the age is going to be. But Nick, it ain't gonna be the set it ain't gonna be today, so I'm saying. So all you can do is say to yourself, I'm doing everything I can do to live a healthy, active lifestyle. And I'm focused on quality of life. Not how many years, it's on quality of life. But you know at some point, I don't know, it could be when you're I, I don't you can't put an age on it, but at some point you probably are gonna you know, need that extra help. I'm just trying to be independent as long as I can and say that my doctors, my friends, my family, I've done everything I can do. That's all you can do. And no one, no one can ask of you anything more than that. But I don't want to be a burden. And if you're overweight, just think think of the cost to society. Think, think of what we're all going to be paying for if somebody's 80 or 90 pounds overweight. We're not saying you gotta be slim. We're just saying you gotta do something. You 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 gotta you know you got you gotta pass on that double cheeseburger and French fries and milkshake. I mean, you know, and, and sensibly. That's all this is. It's just common sense and work out reasonably. You know, hard working out. Okay, and you'll be you'll be amazed at how much better you feel, how much better you look. And when you feel that, you feel, huh, a sense of pride. If I can do this, what else can I do? And the truth is, Nick, it's that sense of whatever the word is, satisfaction, proud, I don't whatever it is, that's that sticks with you. That's that's like I look back and say, I've come a long way in the last eight years. What can what should I take on next? So there's a positive attitude that really is so critical when you're older. So as far as I'm concerned, my best days lie ahead. I think it's true. That's cool. Well, Jim, I want to I want to backtrack to something real quick. Um, I'm really interested in your the, when we started talking about the code of ethics, and you talked about how Wyoming has their state code, and that's really cool. And you talk about how everybody kind of needs to 
live by a code or have their own code. And you've also talked about how that is different for every single person, just like fitness. Everybody's got to find what works for them, what they enjoy, what they can be consistent with. So I'm, I'm intrigued as to how one goes about defining what their own code is to live by. Oh, boy. Well, I've been, as I said, I've been on this speaker's thing. And what, the way I do, again, you've got to be really careful. So what I do, I try to inspire people to think about these things, okay? I don't say to somebody, um, statistics tell me that you have to do this or do that. I do, I do, yeah. so this Cowboy Ethics is a book about self-discovery. If somebody reads this, you don't have to buy the book. Just go to the website. It's called Center for Cowboy Ethics and Leadership. You don't have to buy the book. Just go on the website, and you'll find videos and all kinds of good stuff. Okay? So the question is that you have to ask yourself, what do I stand for? That's why my talk is called Standing Tall in an Upside-Down World. What do you stand for? And what values define what you stand for? Forget what I stand for. And don't think about this as some contest. There's no prize. There's nobody's going to say, oh, golly, we're going to write you up in the New York Times. No, don't think about that way. Just think about, I've, I've gone through probably 10 different things in my life where I've said, okay, here's what I stand for. So it's, it's, it's evolutionary. You know, what I stand for now is probably not a really different than what it was 10 years ago. And that, that's, that's fine. So some people say, Jim, I stand for the golden rule. That's terrific. I'm not going to judge what you say. It's a matter of what, it's what you say. And people who do, who take this on often say, Jim, I get more emails than you would believe. Nick, from people who just, again, I'm not saying buy the book. Just go to the website, check it out. Here are the 10 principles. Go home and talk to your family tonight. Just go home and say to your family around the kitchen table. You know, let's come up with a, with a set of family values. And Nick, just so I don't seem too self-righteous and that kind of stuff, which I'm really not. Nick, part of what's gotten us in trouble as a country, we have confused personal values and societal values. Okay, and this is where I I really feel strongly about this. So let's talk about let's talk about personal values. Okay, same sex marriage. Okay, gun control, immigration. These, in my opinion, are personal values. You're not going to change my opinion. I'm not going to change your opinion. Okay, so let's talk about what we can agree upon. Okay, and there are certain values that we can all agree upon. And it's right out of the Coda West. How about living each day with courage? Some things aren't for sale. To me, that's a universal, timeless principle. Is, is honor for sale? I, I hope not. Shouldn't be. Okay? So these are all common sense. These are all things that somebody can say, huh, nowhere to draw the line. When you say some things aren't are not for sale, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, what you, what you mean, well, what I, this is, here again, is by what you mean to it. Do you believe that everything is for sale if the price is high enough? So would you sell, would you sell your honor for $10,000? No. Would you sell your reputation 
for a hundred thousand dollars? No. I say sure. Well, what do you think people did in, in, in early uh, two thousand one and two? They said reputation. Of course, I'll sell that. It doesn't mean it, how much. But we're not talking about ten. We're talking about you know two or three million dollars. That's that's the problem. And and if you want some proof of this, how about this academic stuff is going on that's been in the papers this week? Okay. Can you imagine the senior partner in one of the biggest blue chip law firms in New York is on tape is saying, well, to me, it's not a matter of ethics or what's right or wrong. It's much more practical. So this guy paid, I was $200,000. Okay. To fly his daughter out to Los Angeles to take an SAT exam with a paid proctor in the room and her SAT scores jumped to an point and she got into USC. Now, is that right? I, I, this poor guy's reputation, he's worked a lifetime for it, right? And they, he won the most, he won the you know, highest award there was to win uh, with, with merger and acquisitions. What's, he gonna, what's his clients going to say? If this guy would lie about this, what else, what else is he lying about? It was, it was reputation should mean, nope, if my daughter, I'm happy to pay for a tutor. That's not what they paid for. They paid for somebody to sit there and actually give her the correct answers to the test. That's what they did. Right. I really like, I really like the, how you always go back to a lot of times when I'm asking these questions, you keep going back to, it's not about what I say. It's about kind of the self-discovery and you coming up with your own answer because I think that that's another big issue with the us younger generation nowadays is that we don't ask ourselves enough questions. We're so overstimulated by external sources, by social media, just by everything that grabs our attention that because we're always looking outside, we don't ask ourselves enough questions. So we don't and we don't uh, have that self-discovery and self-awareness process as much as maybe people in the past. So I really like how that's where you always go back to because I think the importance of it is is just at such a high level that everybody needs to look within themselves a little bit deeper. Well, it's true. And Nick, I, I, again, I, I don't know how old you are. It doesn't matter, okay? But if you were, if you were to talk to your father or your grandfather, you know, they said the same thing I'm saying. So there's nothing, there's nothing new about this. I, my brother and I were both adopted at birth. He's two years older than I am. So again, I'm 78 and a half. My brother's two years older. But our dad uh, made a huge impression on both of us. And uh, our dad passed away at a pretty young age. He was a dentist. And he, this wasn't some, you know, rich guy, but there was something about him, Nick. I don't, to this day, I don't know what it was, that when he walked into a room, he had a dignity or something. And I talked to my brother, Charlie, what was it that he had? And we don't know, except people, Nick, stood a little bit straighter when my dad walked into the room. And there was something about him that made my brother and myself and, and others who knew him came in contact reach for the best in themselves. So, and he, he, didn't, he never talked about it. My dad never once talked about ethics or value. He didn't say, now listen, boys, I want you to live a virtuous life. He was a role model. And that's what we've taken with us all these many, many years. My dad died almost 50 years ago. Not quite. 
And I still think, every day I think about it. I think, what did this guy, well, he's a role model. And that's why one of my personal, and Nick, I call this the 11th principle. And that is, there, there, there are 10 principles in this code of the West, as I've written them down, okay? And the 11th one, they said, well, Jim, I read your book, there's only 10. And they said, nope, there's 11th one. What is it? It's for you to tell me. What do you stand for? See, that's the discovery part. So now you've seen the 10. You stay with courage, take pride in your work, we'll draw the line. But the 11th principle is the most important one. And that's the one that you come up with. In my own 11th principle, I've been through, okay, every couple of years, but the, but the one that's the most consistent has been we can all be heroes in our own lives. Right. And that's the theme of cowboy ethics. To be a hero, Nick, it doesn't mean you have to rescue somebody from a burning building or save some drowning child. No. You're the single mom living in Nashville, holding down two jobs, and she finds time to help with homework. You say, Nick, how does somebody do that? How is it possible to do that? Could I do that? I, I don't know. Not sure. But that's as much courage as any, as any cowboy. So it's not, it's not just physical courage. It, it's beyond physical. It's that, it's that businesswoman who cuts her own salary rather than lay off loyal workers. Mm-hmm. And I, I call these everyday heroes. And what our culture needs, in my opinion, Nick, are more everyday heroes. We don't need we don't need more movie stars. We don't need more celebrities. We got we got thousands of celebrities, okay, who are famous for being famous, but they haven't done anything. That most of them haven't, and they have not led exemplary lives. But these everyday heroes is what makes the world a better place to live, and what can inspire other people to 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 reach for the best in themselves. That's, that's awesome. That's what I believe. Well, Jim, I, I want to respect your time. I got two more questions for you. So this first one, I've been lucky enough to be sitting with you here for about 45 minutes to, to an hour or so. But let's say somebody in their mid-20s gets 60 seconds to sit down with you. You know, they see you out in public and they stop you and you get 60 seconds to talk with them. I think a lot of people would probably ask about how they can start making a change in their life, about how they can be more successful, about how they can just have better relationships, this sort of thing, and or maybe about how they can be the hero of their own life. So say this person has 60 seconds of your time and asks you about how they can live a better life, make a good change in their life, and start becoming the hero of their own life. What would you say to that person in wow. their mid-young 20s? I would say, what a question, <laughs> Talking about putting you on the spot. Nick, without being too highfalutin, I would say don't let anybody else define who you are. Okay? Don't let your parents, your teachers, or anybody else, or your, you know, your best friend or your loved one. You've got to decide yourself, okay, what defines you. You you've got to decide yourself what do you stand for. And I can help you out. I can inspire you and you can read this. You can look at the website. But the truth is, nobody can tell you. Nobody can give you that advice that you only learn when you venture out in the real world. I, the other thing I would say is put the smartphone down, spend more time 
one on one with people and 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 open up your heart because it's it's not left brain it's all in my opinion a hundred percent right brain opening up your heart to other people i see p i see people with twenty one twenty five their whole life revolves around this quote smartphone i don't own a smartphone i don't want people texting me all day or whatever the hell they do i don't twitter twitter I don't do any of that stuff. You want to call me? Here's my phone number. We're happy to talk with you. I really love that. Well, Jim, before I ask the last question, I want to acknowledge you for for really your individualism and your your, uh, approach to communicating with people that you have a choice. Whether or not you make a choice is a choice. And that it's all about like diving deep within yourself, the self-discovery process. Because over and over again throughout our conversation, you've continued to preach that it's not about external things. It's like self-discovery, be self-aware. Um, don't let others define who you're going to be. You define that for yourself. And I think that is one of the biggest things lacking in our society today is that we're always looking for external things to to change yeah. before we change ourselves. So I think I just want to acknowledge you for always going back to that and keeping that as your roots. I always ask the last question, the same last question to every single person um, okay. on the show. And it, and it goes like this, you know, we've communicated about becoming the best version of yourself. And for me, I believe that becoming the best version of yourself is a constant journey. I don't think we're ever at yes. the best version of ourselves. I think we're always either growing or dying every single day. And we always got to be working on growing until our last day. So my question for you personally is if you could currently work on or do three things to become closer to the best version of yourself, yourself what are those three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on well clearly one is i need to be a better listener mm-hmm. and i'm i'm nick i'm i'm i've been married to the most amazing woman 50 years and i still as a guy have a hard time listening and i'm learning and she'll tell you Jim's better than he was. He has a long way to go. It's, it's absolutely true. I've got to become a better listener. So it's that talk less and say more. You know, it's, it's that kind of philosophy. Mm. And the second thing is, I think I, I need to really work on the idea that it's the small things in life that really make the difference and sort of define who you are. I don't think it's the grand gesture anymore. I, I kind of used to, maybe. I, I don't think so. I think it's a small thing. It's just showing kindness to people who cannot give you anything. Mm. And that's the mark of a true gentleman, to use that word, old-fashioned word. But it's that, it's that being civil to people who, can, who have nothing to give you. And I, I'm working on that as we speak. And I, I want to be known as somebody who treats people equally regardless of their status. Mm. Okay? And, and, and finally, and it kind of goes along with this, the truth is I want to be a better friend mm-hmm. to my friends. And I sometimes get so caught up in what I do creatively like when we hang up, I'm going back to writing my, you know, I, I write every day. And I say, you know, that's great, Jim, and you've turned out some wonderful things, but are you really a good friend 
Uh, I can do this is I can do a whole lot better than I've been doing. So if a, a man, you know, when a man has his last breath, if you can say, I count four or five people of my family who I regard as, as good friends, uh, I think you've done a pretty, pretty good life. And, and along with that, the idea of leave it better than you found it is another thing really I'm working on. And if you can look back at the, on your gravestone, you know, Somebody wrote down, Jim left it better than he found it. That means that you were a good person in life. It has nothing to do with how much money you made, how famous you are. Nothing. It means that you made a difference in people's lives. And I just, I, it was back to my father, I think. I just, he inspired me to try to lift up other people. And I think that's what we're, I think that's what you're doing with your podcast. You're lifting up people. And I, and let's face it, we all we all need that, Nick. I mean, nobody is so strong. Oh, I don't need other people, or I I'm good by myself. I I don't think that person exists because we all have tragedy and sadness in our lives. So we can we can all be that friend that somebody can count on. And that, those are three things that I'm working on. I want to be a better friend. Yeah. Well, I think those three things are really admirable, and I think that it's really cool that. You all identified basically a lot of different weaknesses that you think you might you might have, and you know we touched on earlier about how important it is to identify weaknesses and to start taking action on those things. So I think those are three super admirable things and great things, uh, and I appreciate you spending the time to come here and join me today, Jim. Well, Nick, my hats off to you. I, I really uh, I, your your audience is, is 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 lucky. I think I think to hear your message, and I'm I and. I am genuinely grateful uh, that you would want to even have me on. This has been wonderful. I hope it's been uh, helpful to your listeners, but I think you're on the right track, and I think you're making a real difference in in a lot of lives, Nick. I have to tell you that. And I've not met you before. Why would I blow smoke? I have no reason to at my age. But the minute I heard about what you were doing, I said, you know, this is really interesting. So thank you, Nick. I really appreciate it. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Now it's time to act. Leave a like and a comment on YouTube. Subscribe to that page. If you're on iTunes, leave it a five-star review. Help the show move up the ranks so more and more people can get access to it. Feel free to take a screenshot of this episode and let me know you're listening on Instagram. Look within yourself. A lot of times we can get great answers and solutions from outside sources, but when it comes to living a fulfilling life, it's about self-discovery. It's about determining what it is that you stand for. It's about having the wherewithal to dive deep into your own beliefs, your own code of ethics to live a life worth living. Remember everyone, if you're stuck in a rut with your fitness routine, with your job, with your relationships, whatever it is, it's never too late. If you think you've gone too far down the rabbit hole, you're wrong. Make the choice of action because the lack of action is also a choice. And once you've chosen to move, start small. Take baby steps because that's what's going to lead to consistency and long-term results. Thanks so much for listening. Keep taking consistent action every single day. Now it's time to go out and upgrade yourself today to get closer and closer to your best you. Best you.